Well, I don't want you to miss what we uh, talked about yesterday, and so I want to go a little more slowly and carefully in uh, this uh, particular passage in Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Conventionally, it has one understanding, but if you look, look more clearly, you will see it has a far deeper and wider understanding that we generally give it. And it's beautiful news. It is awesome news. Now, Paul has been talking about the reconciliation uh, that we have with the Father, that the, the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, has taken the judgment of the world's sin upon himself in the person of his Son, so that we are now treated as innocent, justified, and uh, we have peace with God through Jesus. Uh, that is, we have a peace relationship with God, our Father. We have access to this grace in which we stand. We have access into the very heart and room of God's home. And uh, we even, because of that, a wonderful access to our Father can rejoice in all the troubles we go through because we know they no longer damn us and uh, send us away, but they are instruments by which we grow closer to our God and our Heavenly Father. Now, in the light of all this... Paul then says, For while we were still sinners, that is, for when we were still without strength in due time, God died for the ungodly. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So God didn't wait to see whether we would become stronger people. He didn't wait to see whether we had good qualities within us, uh, tenacity and discipline and willpower. No, he knew that we were without strength, that we lacked what it takes, and yet he died for us. We were ungodly, and yet he died. And then you see verse 8. <clears throat> God demonstrated his own love for us toward, uh, toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus took the sins of the world and took our sins upon the cross. He died for us. Now, most of us Christians will say, well, I understand that, Colin. Um, Jesus died for me, but I have to accept it, and I have struggles accepting it because I'm accepting it one day and turning away from it the next, or not fully accepting it and feeling that I need to surrender to it more. And so um, I, I just can't feel safe with God until I have had an absolute surrender or a total dedication or a 100% repentance. My heart just doesn't seem right yet. Now, do you see that this reasoning has virtually nullified what Paul is trying to say? What we are doing is to limit Christ's death or the effectiveness of Christ's death to those people who have the fortitude and the wherewithal and the ability and the tenacity and the willpower and the dedication and the surrender capacity to accept it. We have made the death of Jesus provisional. It's there for us. God says, I died for your sins. And if you can accept it and surrender to it and can repent in harmony with it, then you'll be saved. Is that what you think? Well, let me tell you, it is diametrically 
opposed to the truth. And the reason I say that is not to shake you off your foundation, although, of course, it is, uh, but it is to give you a greater and a better foundation because the foundation of your salvation is not your faith or your repentance or your surrender uh, or your willpower. Now, how can I say this with all the fortitude or the certitude that I am saying it with? Because of verse 10. You see, verse 6 and verse 8 are parallel ideas to verse 10. And verse 10 gives us the meaning or the effectiveness or the expansiveness of Christ's death for sinners. So let's read verse 10. Well, let's read verse 6 and 8 and 10 together. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now do you get it? The death of Christ, in verse 6, and the death of Christ, in verse 8, is parallel to the term in verse 10 that says we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. So the death of Christ is more than provisional. It's more than a condition that will activate once you accept it which makes salvation not activated by Christ's sacrifice, but activated by our faith. No, the death of Christ is more than that. The death of Christ, revealed by these parallel verses of 6, 8, and 10, is the reconciliation to God by that death. So, if we take the phraseology in verse 10 where we were reconciled to God through the death of his son and put it back in verse 6 and verse 8 then we have this for when we were still without strength in due time we were reconciled to God through the death of his son even when we were ungodly let me say that again. For when we were still without strength and ungodly, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. And verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love in, to us in that while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. And verse 10, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Do you see how stupendous this is? You and I have been reconciled to the heart of God, even while we were weak and without strength, ungodly, sinners, that's verse 8, weak and without strength is verse 6, and enemies in verse 10. How can it be that an enemy is reconciled? Surely if there are two part parties uh, and they are in disagreement, they have to come to agreement. 
their enmity has to be dropped before they can be reconciled. How can we be reconciled then while we are enemies? The answer is that the two parties are us in the person of Jesus Christ representing us and God the Father. We are reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ, even while you and I are enemies. Now, this is not just a theological idea, a biblical concept. Don't, you know, don't get confused with that. People just think that if they get this intellectually, then they've got it. No, no, no. It is a heart thing. If you're struggling with addictions like drugs or alcohol or food issues or sexual addictions, you will find yourself trying to get rid of all this junk in order to be reconciled to God. You'll dedicate yourself, you'll surrender yourself, you will repent of all that you've done, and you will feel good for a day or two or maybe a week or two while you keep reading your Bible and keep being devoted to God and staying straight and not falling off the wagon until you actually do fall off the wagon. And then all comes crashing down and your salvation is lost and you're back to square one and you feel this almost despair in your heart which you desperately try to resist that you have to go right back to the drawing board and back to square one. That is false. That is why so many people who are Christians and addicts never seem to make progress, because they always feel they're starting again after several days of freedom. What you and I need to understand is that we are reconciled even when our hearts are at enmity with God. When they don't square up with God's will and God's beauty and God's glorious mercy and grace— you and I have to come to before God and say, Father, even though my addiction still grabs me and clings to me, I want to thank you that I am reconciled to your heart through Jesus Christ, not through my heart, because my heart is still at enmity. But I am going to keep believing that I have access to you, dear Father, through your Son, that I have grace, that I stand within this grace, that I am justified before you, because Christ has become my reconciliation. Now, when you start thinking like that, or rather talking to God like that, you will feel as though you're blaspheming. But the more you continue with courage and boldness of faith, the more you will realize that faith is breaking through to your Heavenly Father, that you are not in the dark dungeon of your mind anymore, that there is some light coming through, and it is the light of faith. Well, more accurately, it is the light of God that you are receiving by faith. You see, faith will ultimately break through this feeling that you have no right to talk to God because you're not good enough yet. This is what this is all about. It is exceedingly practical. Don't let your mind take you back into the dungeon of quietness 
where the voice of faith is silent, where there is nothing going on between you and God but gloom and and depression and, and feeling of guilt and shame that does not allow you to lift up your head to God. No, say, Father, though my sinful nature is so broken and though it is overwhelmed at times, I praise you that I'm not counted in my sinful nature. I'm counted in Christ who died and put to death in his body my sinful nature, and I am counted as righteous in him. Counted, remember. Remember that word counted that we came across in chapter 4, verse 5. Abraham was accounted righteous uh, as he believed. His faith was accounted to him as righteousness. That faith was a gift from God, else it wouldn't have been counted as righteous, for there's no righteousness in man. But we are brought before the Father in the body and the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is the substitute for the human race and the representative for the human race. He stands before God, representing you and me. And he says, My father, I have given faith. I have brought faith to, Jesus, uh, to Colin um, through my, the revelation of my love for him and the sacrifice I have made for him. So I ask you to receive him in my name, dear father. And the father says, Oh, I'm all too willing, my son. Yes, I will. This is how it is. This is how you and I need to go forward. If you simply trust in your works and your progress and your sanctification, it will never be enough. But if you trust in Christ as your righteousness, then you will know that even though ungodly and a sinner and still at enmity with God, you have been received into his home. Hello, I do appreciate your listening to my program today, Colin Cook here, and this is my program, How It Happens, which you can hear on your smartphone any time of the day or night. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or Spot- uh, podbean.com or Spotify or Apple, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And would you please consider a donation to keep this 26-year-old ministry going? It's a small ministry, but a long-lasting one, so so send your donation, if you would, to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless.